0: Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 1. Ye are the children of the Lord your God. Ye shall not cut yourselves, nor make any baldness between your eyes for the dead. Two: for thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be his own treasure out of all peoples that are upon the face of the earth. The pagans, in a way, worshiped the dead, and they would alter their body with not only cutting themselves, but also tattoos. And I guess baldness too. We aren't supposed to honor the dead because it's equivalent to honoring demons. You know, when people talk about ghosts, ghosts are actually, in the Bible, they're called familiar spirits. A familiar spirit is a demon who was in somebody's life who sinned. Because whenever you sin, you, you entertain demons. It's an invisible, evil spirit. Their final destruction hasn't come yet they will be destroyed after Judgment Day. They're still alive, but they're doomed to destruction. And because they've been alive for a lot longer than we have, they know things about the past because they were there when it happened. And so they have inside information on people who no longer live. Then they come back to those who are alive, and they pretend that they're the ghost or the spirit of the dead person, which isn't true, but they do know things about the dead person. That they tell living people to make living people believe in reincarnation and all kinds of other false things. It makes people worship the spirit instead of worshiping the one true God. And the people are misled into thinking that they're worshiping their ancestors when what they're really talking to are demons. We need to not honor the dead. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Meaning, let those who are lost... Go to the funeral because they're spiritually dead let them take care of the physically dead we're not supposed to trouble ourselves about dead people we god is the god of the living that's why satan wants us to obsess about death and supposed ghosts which are actually demons instead of focusing on him who is alive Today, what people do is they get tattoos, which is an ancient pagan thing. And I'm surprised it isn't mentioned in these two verses because it was mentioned previously in the Bible. Not to tattoo yourself for the dead. God doesn't want us to get tattoos with a dead person's name on it either. God does not like that. Three, thou shalt not eat any abominable thing. Four, these are the beasts which ye may eat, the ox, the sheep, and the goat. He's going to go over the clean animals again. But today... We can eat any animal we want because in the New Testament, after Jesus ascended to heaven, God told Peter that from now on, in order to spread the gospel, we will have to eat whatever is placed before us because we'll have to spread the gospel in different nations among different people who don't eat kosher. That means that all animals are now clean five the heart and the gazelle and the roebuck and the wild goat and the pygarg and the antelope and the mountain sheep these are all hoofed animals that are similar to either deer or sheep or goats six and every beast that parteth the hoof and hath the hoof wholly cloven in two and cheweth the cud among the beasts that ye may eat because the animals that both have a cloven hoof and chew their cud like deer and cow those animals don't carry diseases, and they're herbivores. That means that their meat is better for us to eat for our heart condition. The other animals who don't chew the cud and have a cloven hoof, they're either scavenger animals like pigs and dogs and rats that eat a lot of trash, which means when you eat their body, it's a polluted meat. Now, it's not a sin to eat it because God made all animals clean in the New Testament, but it is a a much lower quality meat. Also rabbit, for instance, it's not a sin to eat a rabbit because all animals are clean now, but rabbits have more of a tendency to carry diseases because they're low to the ground and their bellies actually touch the ground, which means they're more exposed to bacterias and things like that. All of these cleanliness rules are to keep disease out of people's system. 7. Nevertheless ye shall not eat of them that only chew the cud, or of them that only have the hoof cloven, the camel, and the hare, and the rock badger, because they chew the cud, but part not the hoof, they are unclean to you. 8. And the swine, because he parteth the hoof, but cheweth not the cud, he is unclean unto you. Of their flesh ye shall not eat, and their carcasses ye shall not touch." 9. These ye may eat of all that are in the waters, whatsoever hath fins and scales may ye eat. And that's because if it has both fins and scales, it is not a scavenger animal. The other animals that live in water are all scavenger animals, which means they eat junk. That includes crawfish, shrimp, crabs, all of those are scavenger animals. 10 and whatsoever hath not fins and scales ye shall not eat it is unclean unto you 11 of all clean birds ye may eat 12 but these are they of which ye shall not eat the great vulture and the bearded vulture and the osprey those are carrion birds which means that they eat dead carcasses They're scavenger animals again. Thirteen, and the gleed and the falcon and the kite after its kinds. Fourteen, and every raven after its kinds. Now another thing that these animals have in common is that they're killers. They kill other animals to eat. And God wanted the Israelites to only eat basically innocent animals that did not kill. The herbivores are non-violent animals. And remember, God doesn't like violence. He hates it. Yes, he had the Israelites kill the pagans, but the pagans were way more violent even to their own children and their own women than the Israelites were when the Israelites killed them. And so God was actually extricating violence from the land by having the Israelites kill the pagans in Canaan. God is having the Israelites eat animals that do not kill. Fifteen, and the ostrich and the nighthawk and the sea mew and the hawk after its kinds. Sixteen, the little owl and the great owl and the horned owl. Seventeen, and the pelican and the carrion vulture and the cormorant. Eighteen, and the stork and the heron after its kinds, and the hoopoe and the bat. Nineteen, and all winged swarming things that are unclean unto you, they shall not be eaten swarming bugs there's a lot of them that are unclean for instance flies they land on poop they land on dead carcasses it lays its eggs in a carcass all kinds of stuff so these are just filthy things now of course again today you can eat that stuff if you want to and it's not a sin 20. Of all clean winged things ye may eat. 21. Ye shall not eat of anything that dieth of itself. Thou mayest give it unto the stranger that is within thy gates, that he may eat it, or thou mayest sell it unto a foreigner. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not seeth a kid in its mother's milk. You can eat the clean bugs like locusts and grasshoppers. Those are clean because they don't land on carcasses and poop and they actually are herbivores as well. Also, he's saying that it's okay if the non-Israelites eat dead animals that they find, but the Israelites can't do that. And he's saying, do not cook a baby goat in its own mother's milk. Because this is very detestable. This is very disrespectful to life. Even though they're animals, the fact that you would take the mother's milk to boil her own baby in Is So horrifically violent and disrespectful. It's just not of God. We need to be respectful of animals and not do horrific, detestable things to them, such as torturing the chickens before they die. There's a lot of really detestable stuff that goes on in these mass farms, and God hates that stuff. 22. Thou shalt surely tithe all the increase of thy seed, that which is brought forth in the field year by year. He's saying, you must give the top 10% of everything that I give you. 23. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God, in the place which he shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. The tithe of thy corn, of thy wine, and of thine oil, and the firstlings of thy herd and of thy flock, that thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. When you bring a tithe to the Lord, part of it goes to the priest, part of it goes to God. And if you get to eat part of it because it's like a thanks offering or whatever, then you eat it in the presence of the Lord. You don't just take it home and forget about God. It isn't just about eating. It's about fellowshipping with your creator. They had to eat right there at the temple. Now, of course, if it's a regular day and they're not bringing a tithe, then they would eat it at home. 24. And if the way be too long for thee, so that thou art not able to carry it, because the place is too far from thee, which the Lord thy God shall choose to set his name there, when the Lord thy God shall bless thee, 25, then shalt thou turn it into money, and bind up the money in thy hand, and shalt go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. 26. And thou shalt bestow the money for whatsoever thy soul desireth, for oxen, or for sheep, or for wine, or for strong drink, or for whatsoever thy soul asketh of thee. And thou shalt eat there before the Lord thy God, and thou shalt rejoice thou and thy household. At home, you sell the animal to get the money, and that's your sacrifice. But then you take the money and you go on site to the temple and purchase another animal for the sacrifice with that same amount of money. Then you eat in the presence of the Lord. Now notice it said wine and strong drink. They did make liquor, and they were allowed to offer it for an offering. But the Bible is consistently against drunkenness, which means that they must have only had an ounce of it at a time, because any more than that, you'd be drunk. And they may have used it for really good purposes, like operations and stuff like that, putting people to sleep when they're sick. In Proverbs, there's even a Bible verse that talks about only using strong drink for people's pain, not to just drink it. But it is a precious commodity because it takes a long time to make, just like the flour and the wine. 27. And the Levite that is within thy gates, thou shalt not forsake him, for he hath no portion nor inheritance with thee. God is saying that they have to support the Levites through the tithe because the Levites don't have their own land. 28. At the end of every three years, even in the same year, thou shalt bring forth all the tithe of thine increase, and shall lay it up within thy gates. You bring it into storage every three years, all of the tithe from your fields. 29. And the Levite, because he hath no portion nor inheritance with thee, and the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow that are within thy gates, shall come, and shall eat, and be satisfied, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thy hand which thou doest. And this is over and over and over in scripture to help the helpless and to support the Levites who are working full-time doing physical labor of the sacrifices. Today, we don't have Levites doing full-time physical labor to perform the sacrifices because Jesus was our sacrifice. We just have people who share the gospel and pray for others. And it's okay to support them financially if you feel led to do that, but you don't have to make them rich And if they're able-bodied and they can have a job in addition to preaching, then, in my opinion, they should get a regular job and support themselves and not depend on the church for tithe. Because that's what Paul did in the New Testament. And Jesus never had a salary. And the apostles in the New Testament did not get regular salaries except under certain circumstances, especially when they were traveling. But they were never guaranteed salaries, but some of them were, their travels were financed, and even their spouses were sometimes financed to travel with them. It was based on the need. They were paid according to their need, not according to the standards of society like what you see today, where a pastor could have a really expensive house, and the people who pay tithe to him could be really poor. That wasn't What you saw in the New Testament at all. The the apostles would not be having more money than the people who support them. And as always, in both New and Old Testament, God required that you take care of the helpless, which is those without husbands, those without fathers, and those who are foreigners and strangers in your land. Those are the precious people who God commands that we always support. And that concludes Deuteronomy chapter 14.